Good morning. You all, all doing okay? Yeah? Okay, good. Um, this morning's theme is this, uh, uh, the king's coming. All right? The king is coming. And we need to keep calm, yes, but also to realize the truth of that. The king is coming. When my daughter Liz was about four, she's about 27 now, so it's a long time ago, um, she sent a letter to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II inviting the Queen to tea. A few weeks later, along with the bills, that dropped through the letterbox. Now you see that land on your doormat and you think to yourself, Oh no, what is this going to be? (laughs) So with some nervousness, we opened the letter. No, the Queen unfortunately was busy that day. She thanked, through a lady-in-waiting, Elizabeth for her very kind invitation and said she wouldn't be able to join us. Imagine what it would have been like, though, (laughs) if if it had been yes. It's a great idea, isn't it? Isn't it cute sending a letter to the Queen? But then suddenly, (gasps) the implications are huge. You'd want to decorate the house from top to bottom, maybe. You'd certainly want to have a good clear-up. You'd be thinking about the food. You'd then be thinking, hang on a minute, what about security and stuff? And the the palace would be on explaining how you do things and whatever. It's a huge, huge thing that the Queen was coming to tea. The neighbours would get to know. The press would get to know, wouldn't they? It would be big, huge, the Queen coming, or in the, the theme of today, the King coming to tea. <laughs> or the King coming. There's a film that came out this year, and uh, I need you back there. There's a film that came out this year which was very, very successful. It was called The King's Speech. Who saw The King's Speech? Anybody see The King's Speech? Quite a few of you saw The King's Speech. Thank you. So there's a really good scene in The King's Speech which really speaks very well into what I'm going to share. Because The King's Speech is about a speech therapist... Yay, let's hear it for speech therapist, Catherine. <laughs> Who actually saved the nation. <laughs> because he was the speech therapist for King George VI. George VI had a, a terrible problem with a stammer. And this guy, um, for, for his first, Lionel Logue, um, helped King George VI to overcome his stammer. But there was an occasion where they'd fallen out a bit over something, and then the king decided, oh, I'll go and make it up to him. So he turned up at Logue's home. And this is what kind of happened. Hopefully this technology is going to work. There we go, let's see. Bertie, come here. Be all right, Logue. Yes. Shouldn't we go soon? Trust me, it's important. What is it? You, you, 
it's your majesty the first time. After that, it's ma'am, as in ham, not ma'am, as in palm. I haven't told her about us. Sit down, relax. I'm told your husband calls my husband Bertie, and my husband calls your husband Lionel. I trust you won't call me Liz. Your majesty, you may call me Mrs. Logan. Very nice to meet you, Mrs. Logan. Logan, can't stay here all day. Yes, we can. Logan, I need to wait for the right moment. Logan, you're being a coward. You're damn right. Get out there, ma'am. Hello, Myrtle, darling. You're early. Uh, I believe you two have met, but I don't think you know King George VI. It's very nice to meet you. Will their majesties be staying to dinner? We'd love to. Such a treat, but, uh, alas, so. Previous engagement. What a pity. Great moment, isn't it? It's really good. <clears throat> that, that, that look on her face. <laughs> of, of, it's the, the Queen, Queen Mum as we know her. So, I don't know whether we would do any better. How would you have responded, do you think? Um, would you have been any better than uh, Mrs. Logue? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think she did very well, didn't she? What would your responses be? I wonder. People coming to tea is great. King coming to tea is really great. Perhaps the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords coming into our lives really says it all. And yet we don't respond in any way like that. In the Bible, we discover some very different responses to the fact that the king is coming. Because the king is coming. The king is coming. And I want to look at some of those responses very, very quickly, and go through them and just, uh, just to identify them. Let's just have a look. First of all, we, saw, we looked at Mary last week, didn't we? And we saw what Mary's response to the coming king was. There was first that feeling of fear, and then of obedience. But what of Joseph? What was his response in uh, Matthew chapter 1? What, do you remember what Joseph's response is? You, you, you can say, it's all right. What was, what was his response like? He was going to put her away, yes. Dispose of her quietly. Not literally bump her off, but she, he wasn't going to marry her, that's for sure. All their hopes and dreams. We're not, we forget this. This is a couple who had invested time and effort and, and love and, who knows, family commitments and all the rest of it. They, they'd had, they had a plan. There was a future. It was all going in a direction. Joseph was a, a businessman. He was going for it. He had a plan. You know, we all do. Our lives are going along in a, on a road and suddenly, wham, his wife says, I'm going to have a baby. Then what happens? Joseph has a dream. And in the, in the dream, the angel tells him that the, the, the baby is going to be um, the Messiah. But he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
The great thing about Joseph is he responds with faith and obedience to that word from the angel in a dream. What about Elizabeth? Not my Elizabeth or Queen Elizabeth, but Elizabeth, Mary's cousin. What's her response? If you look, uh, don't have to look, turn to it, but in Luke 1, 30, 41, um, anybody remember what Elizabeth's response was? Praise, joy. What happened actually physically? The baby leapt in her womb. Yes, yeah, so John responded as well. <laughs> yes, the, it, the, 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 John the Baptist. It says this in Luke 1, 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. That's Elizabeth. Joy, praise. What are the wise men? What was their response to the news? For them, it was in the sky. Pretty amazing, isn't it? But they had news that there was a king coming. But then they had their message, not by email, but by star. All right? Um, and uh, what did they, how did they respond to that message? They set out. Yeah. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, this is Matthew 2, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who is to be born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. The king is coming. The king is coming. Um, slightly different story with this guy. <laughs> yes. Well, how did he respond to the news that the king was coming? Threatened. Fear. The word used in the NIV is when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Matthew 2. He was disturbed. This was a man who was already very disturbed, to be honest. Paranoia was absolutely rampant in this guy's mind. He'd already done some dreadful, dreadful things, and he went on to continue to do dreadful things. Um, and uh, so he was afraid. He was afraid for his power. And then this guy, oh, these guys, sorry, I've forgotten they were in the middle. How did they respond? There's two bits. Ah, not first. What was the first response? They were terrified, weren't they? But that was as much the manner of hearing it as anything else. It was a Mrs. Logue moment, wasn't it? <laughs> the shepherds heard, and then they, having believed, they went and they worshipped God. Yes, that's right. So there was an evangelistic element to it. They went and told other people. Yes, the news spread. What about this guy? What about, and he was going to say, hang on a minute, it isn't really about the coming king. Well, it was, because there's a bit in there where it talks about, actually, uh, how John is preparing the way for the Lord. 
So Zechariah comes as part of the story, and I, I want you to, to, to remember, go back and think. It's um, uh, Zechariah is in Luke one again, Luke one eighteen, um, and this this is one of those moments in the Bible where you think, "Oh, don't say that." Zechariah said, "How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years." Talking about Elizabeth getting pregnant. I think one of those those moments where you think, I wish the ground would open up and swallow me because Gabriel, archangel of God, sort of pauses for a moment. I can imagine him raising up his dignity and saying, I am Gabriel. I stand before God. (laughs) Zechariah And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Let's compare Zechariah and Mary. Zechariah, high priest, well, not high priest, but priest of the temple of God, religious man, academic, scholar, blessed with money and power and dilly-dum, dilly-dee. He's in the temple Gets an angel, meet him, uh, meet him. Yes, Mary did have a question, but there was a different attitude, wasn't there? Totally different attitude. Compare Mary and Zechariah. And Gabriel's response to Mary was, blessed are you. His response to Zechariah was, okay, mate, you're silent for the next nine months. (laughs) The king is coming. Simeon and Anna. Lovely story in Luke 2. Simeon took Jesus in his arms in Luke 2 and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory and for glory to your people Israel. So what have we seen? We've seen Fear, disbelief, terror, anger, joy, praise, worship, and faith. All those human emotions responding to the news that the king is indeed coming. Can we expect any different if we tell people today that the king can come into their life? I don't think so. I think we can expect exactly the same responses. Is there any expectation that we'll see the faith, the obedience, and the joy in, in the people we tell? That's perhaps, I, I, I hope, hope so. I do believe that. But sometimes we can be motivated by a sense of they will reject what we say. The idea that the king actually being present and real causes all the reactions we saw. So we need to demonstrate courage in the face of hostility, confidence in the face of opposition, and love in the face of fear. You see, we live in a secular state, don't we? But that doesn't mean to say we should be silent about the coming king or intimidated about the coming king. It doesn't matter that the world does this. We can stand up 
and say it as it is. We don't for one moment have to apologise for the truth, do we? We need to be ready always to respond to the news that the King is coming. But how can we do this? Well, I was thinking about this very much. Um, How do we respond to the news of the coming King with that faith? How do we uh, how, we, how can we be ready? And I was reminded um, that a few weeks ago when we were in, uh, some of the leadership were away at Hothorpe Hall, we had a, a speaker come and speak to us, an Argent, lovely Argentinian man called Javier. And he spoke um, about uh, the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Very timely for us as leadership, because we were in the middle of that series at that time about looking at the Holy Spirit, and he was amazing. And he used the story um, from uh, Matthew chapter 25 um, about ten young bridesmaids at a wedding. And this, I'll read this bit. Some of the bridesmaids had, had brought oil with them, and some of them hadn't brought any spare oil with them for their lamps, because the story is about these guys who are waiting for the groom to arrive. Okay, and these bridesmaids were there waiting for the groom, and he was late. Well, he came on time, but he already planned to be at that time, and it was, it was late. And they hadn't, some of the bridesmaids had got oil for their lamps, and others had not. And what happened is their lamps went out, and they were asking the other five whether they could have some oil. And at midnight, it says, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. When all those bridesmaids woke up and trimmed their lamps, the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Now, our Argentinian friends, Javier, explained that while there was oil in the lamp, the wick wouldn't burn away because it was the oil that was burning. But once the oil was gone, it would be the wick that would burn away. The oil in this story is intended to speak of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. If we're constantly filled with the Holy Spirit, we can face all that comes our way. The wick is representative of our strength and the core of us. If the Holy Spirit is not at work, then we will start trying to work in our own strength and not be ready for the King's call on our lives. Great picture, isn't it? This idea of the oil and the, and the wick and being ready. Now the King is coming and we need ha- to have all the resources we need, don't we, for the coming King. Now, I, I, we can talk about it in this two, in two ways. I think of Hillary, actually. Let me use her as an example. I'm sure she's not here, so uh, forgive me um, for using her. But Hillary's amazing, isn't she? But my prayer for Hillary is that the Holy Spirit will anoint her for all that she's doing. And Father, we pray right now for Hillary and ask that you would touch her by your Holy Spirit and give her all she needs to carry out all that you have called her to this Christmas time. All those all those moments of playing, all that preparation, all that organization, my Lord. Bless her in it. And uh, 
I know that for all of us, this time of year can be mad. And we can get it wrong. We can start burning the wick instead of using the oil. The the classic examples of this, I know for all of you uh, across the church, there are people with family situations which at Christmas time are not easy. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have a house full of people or you're going to go and visit people and it's not necessarily going to be easy. Others of you face this dilemma. You feel as if you're responsible to get a present for that person and that person and that person. Use the oil of the Holy Spirit. Don't go in your own strength. Ask God what you should be giving. There's no requirements. There there are all sorts of things you can do. Let me just say this. I I will. Why not? There are families where they turn around to each other and say, look, cap on all presents. Everybody spends a fiver. All right? Immediate release from all that burden. Okay? Why get yourselves into huge debt and then struggle through January and February and March and April? There is, so so there's, there's, there's those issues going on. Some of you face other challenges. Some of you, um, it's a time of year when there are people that you've lost, people who've died, And it's a time when you remember, and it hurts. They're not around. Let the Holy Spirit's oil touch you at this time. For others of you, you might just feel a bit lonely, to be honest. Let the Holy Spirit touch you. We'd like this time, all of us, to be a time full of the Holy Spirit at work. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I'd like to offer to pray for individuals who, for whom those issues, I'd like to pray for people who've got challenges over Christmas time. And if that's you, then do grab me afterwards and I'd love to pray with you. But what I'd like to do now is I'd like us to stand and I'm going to pray and ask for a different kind of Christmas. Could we stand, please? I'm aware that there's the Christmas that the world would say we had. And there's even a Christmas where we try and put those two together in some kind of rather complicated way. But then there's a Christmas that God would have you have. A celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. I have to say, standing right here now, this provokes me as much as any of you. Okay? Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come upon us and that we would know the oil of your Spirit for the days ahead. Lord, in these weeks, we pray that we might know your Spirit at work in our lives. 
that we would know peace in our families. Holy God, that we would know favour with you and with men. Lord, I pray that there would be prosperity in our families. Lord, that you would provide all that we need. Lord, that we would have wisdom. Lord, I pray for those for whom this time of year is a reminder of what loved ones who are no longer here, that you would bless them and pour your Holy Spirit upon them and give them a joyful time. Holy God, I pray too for those that uh, feel that they may be alone at Christmas, that they wouldn't be, that they would know comfort and strength, fellowship and fun through this time, my Lord. Lord, we come to you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. To say, for specific issues associated with this that are causing you a challenge, do come and we'll pray together.